Hey, before oh, we're rolling. By the way. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, thank um, you. Thanks for the warning. You're welcome. <laughs> before we start this episode, I, I wanted to issue a little bit of a warning. Um, this is our second book club, uh, book club episode on the weekly undertaking. It sure is. And Mike and I both read really downer books. You know what? That's true, actually. So yeah. I, I wanted to give a little bit of a warning that while we will still have a lot of fun and have a lot of laughs, we will probably also <laughs> get into some really serious shit. So if you're not feeling that right now, maybe come back later. Yeah, why would anybody not be feeling a downer book episode <laughs> at this point at in history? At this point, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, play the theme song. I don't know why I issued that before the theme song, but we did. No, I, that's that's a good way to do it. Yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, good job for us for <laughs> assigning two insanely downer books yeah. during this trying I, time. I also do want to say that is the most upbeat, uh, the the most upbeat theme song we could have possibly played <laughs> after the downer PSA we just gave. But uh, yes, everybody, hello, welcome to The Weekly Undertaking. I am Mike. And I'm Alex, and we're still separated physically. Yes, we are. We are six feet apart, uh, practicing our social distancing guidelines. I am wearing gloves. Yes, he is. Uh, I am not. Yeah, because one of us cares about the health of the other. One of us lives here. Yeah. So it would not matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but yes, we are, uh, yeah, this is the podcast where we do weird things every week. And talk about them. But is a book club weird? I, no, I don't think so. Well, Maybe you know millennials old- these days, they don't know how to turn on a book. <laughs> Actually, recent studies show that more millennials read books than, what's the other one, boomers. <laughs> than, bo- than baby boomers? Yes. Are, are you sure about that? There was a, it was like, I think it was like, 76%. No, that sounds way too high. That's really high. It's like a 40 to 30 ratio of oh, okay. like at least one book a year. That's really interesting because, I mean, I would believe, I think that like the social media generation, so millennial and Gen Z, I think they are writing and reading a hell of a lot more than Baby Boomers, Gen X, and all the rest ever did. That sounds right to me. But that's because we're reading like social media comments <laughs> and blog posts. But there are also a lot of the hipsters who enjoy the books. Yeah, I mean, I love books. I love, I'm, I majored in books. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting to love books. I'm like in an intimate affair with books, a mm-hmm. casual affair with books. A casual, nothing too serious. Yeah, I tried a few. And I, you know, I, it felt good, and well, now I'm excited about this one. Well, books are like a commitment, so I do understand why you know it's hard to hard yeah. to dive in. Although I will tell you one thing: um, in my recent endeavor into the world of books, a few months ago, I made it a habit of mine to start reading at work during my lunch breaks. Okay, because I didn't have much to do. Yes, but now that I'm working from home for the time being, mm-hmm. you know. This is where all my stuff is. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to sit down with a book when you have all your stuff. That's exactly what I was th- that's exactly my experience. It's like um so obviously if you haven't picked up on it yet uh, and you're listening to this sometime in the future. Uh, we are currently recording this in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, and we live in New York, so this is kind of a big thing for us. Uh, we are trapped at home. Uh a lot. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, and so we did this book club uh, because we drew it from the picking bucket, but I thought, mm. hey, you know what? I'm not leaving the house at all because I am <laughs> not what you would call an essential worker. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I was like, all right, I'm going to have a lot of time. And then I rediscovered Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it. Yeah, it was, and also got a new video game, and it's, ooh, yeah. Ooh, which one? Nothing that you're going to be excited about. Well, can you tell me? RBI Baseball 2020. That's, that's, well, you may not be an essential worker, but you are an essential friend. Mike. Yeah, exactly. So that's why you're here. Well, we're also we're also being very careful to practice social everything. Yes, I approve. We if things don't like get better in a week, we're probably gonna start uh, switching to radio calls for we'll, a little bit. We'll get there later. But if, essentially, if all 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 the listeners need to know is we are being careful, and all of you need to be too. Yes, and just for future reference. Like, for at least another couple weeks into the future, like, episode-wise, and a few episodes back, you have to come at it with, the, with like, the understanding that this is the time period that these episodes are being made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it makes for a unique discussion. I sure guess so. Well, aside from that, Mike, are you ready to get miserable? Yeah. Yeah, as you said, we kind of did pick downer really books. downer books. You you tell them the book that you gave me, and I'll tell them the book th- that I gave you. So I gave you the nonfiction memoir, Life After Death, by Damien Eccles. Yeah. And um, I gave you Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. Yes, and you did give me a choice of three. I did. However, this one sounded the most interesting off the bat, off yeah. the short summaries you gave me of each. Yeah. And you also said it was a fiction book, which I don't read a Like, I like nonfiction better than fiction in yeah. re, in writing, so to I thought I'd own. give this a try. It's, it also has a lot to do with science fiction. That is um, true. It's, it's a very... Uh, so it's... I, I realized this after I gave it to you. It was probably a very scary book to read during this time. I mean, it felt more like a just like a time traveler left this behind <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's a um it's it's my favorite uh I, it's my second favorite actually science fiction novel ever written this my first favorite being the sequel to it mm-hmm. um but it's uh it it takes place in a very post-apocalyptic future kind of thing and yeah. it, it's it's we'll dive into it in a second uh i just want to get people to know Damien Eccles who wrote this this novel, this memoir, Life After Death, Damien Eccles was one of the West Memphis Three who was falsely accused of murder and was put murdering on- Murdering children. Murdering children, several, I think, like right? harshly. Like yeah. Really violently. Yeah, and was put on death row for many years of his life. Yeah, most of it. Yeah, and a lot of these writings are from his time yes. while on death row. And before he went on death row, his life wasn't exactly great either. No, you, you can't- <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, he, he he led a tough one. He led a very tough one. Which of these downers should we get into first, Alex? See, I don't know, Mike. But first, I want to ask you. Um, I already told you that I wasn't able to get through mine. Yeah, were you able to get through yours? I was not. These are both very pretty big books. Well, it's it's that for me. It's, it, it's that. Yes, it's that. But it's um, they're both about four hundred some odd pages. So I yeah, think. I'd agree to that. Yeah. Um, but my big thing was uh. You know, like I said, I majored in reading. I was an English major in college. Of course. And I got good at skimming books, getting the gist enough to write a BS essay, <laughs> and, then, and then moving on with my life. I hear you. But I wanted to, uh, number one, I graduated two years ago, so I haven't done that in a while. Mm-hmm. And number two, um, 
this book is really good, and it, it's it's really one that you need to delve into. Yeah, so right. I it's, had to take my time with it. It's it's so good. It's it's weird. It is. Um. So uh, we have not decided who we'll get into first. You want to flip for it? I I could not care less which one we talked about. Well, first. we're gonna flip for it. Okay, cool. I don't know if I want to go first. All right. So you want me to just go first? He's. No, I said I don't know if you want to go first. I said I don't know if you want to go first. So All I right. Grab, you did not grab a coin. I grabbed this eraser. It has a label on one side. It's also not opened. Hang on. Yeah, why? Wait. Why wouldn't you just? All right. For the lols, Mike. All right. I could also have told Siri to flip a coin. That also works. We live in technology. Anyway, do you want big pink or bareback? Give me big pink. All right. Big pink is the brand of the eraser. That's what it says on one side. Spon- we are not sponsored by big pink. By Yet. big pink. <laughs> pink prink. Damn it! It <laughs> rolled under the table. Uh, this was a bad plan, Alex. Are we gonna edit out this this eraser Absolutely flip? Absolutely not. It's bareback. All right, um, it's bareback. So you go first. Damn it! I hit the table. This whole episode is just terrible. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I will go. Parable of the Sower Parable by of Octavia the sower, Butler. Which uh, before two seconds ago I thought was Parable of the Sour. <laughs> <laughs> now correct me if I'm wrong, but Parable of the Sower is like. Even like away from this book, like a religious phrase. Yeah, thing, yeah, right? no, it's it's the it's a um it's a specific uh parable that Jesus tells in in the New Testament. Okay, it's it's a very famous one. Well, I've heard of it. Listen, you know, I I didn't ex- I um I, I know that I went to Catholic school my whole life, so I know that I have more experience with with uh, the Bi- Bible and stuff like that than you do. But I uh, I, I don't know. I found it funny when you said the sour <laughs> parable of the sour parable of the sour. So let's get uh let's let's get into this book. Like the kingdom I s- of heaven is like a lemon. Uh, <laughs> it's sour. Its drippings are are sour. Makes me cringe. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Just as a prerequisite, I'm only two-thirds of the way through, so mm-hmm. I'll tell you where I am when I get to that point yeah. in my summary. And also, I read it three and a half years ago, so um, I, I uh, remember loving it, but I forget. I remember the big plot points, but anything yeah. beyond that That's might not fair. be it. Yeah. That's fair. And I only read it yesterday, so I forgot a few things as well. <laughs> so, Parable of the Sower, like, you've men- like you mentioned, takes place in a dystopian future. Mm-hmm. Namely the 2020s, and I looked it up. I think this book was written in the late 80s, right? Or yeah, late 80s. Yeah, something like that. Late 80s, early 90s. So basically, 30 years in the future from when it was written, and we still got like a few years left to go before we see if it's true. Yeah, I think it starts in like 2024. 2024, right? Yeah. and right now in the book, I'm at 2027. Anyway, yeah, that's the last. That's the last year. Spoiler yes. alert. Yeah. This book takes place in a dystopian future that is very grounded and true to life. It's not like a lot of the other dystopian futures I've seen in fiction where it's like a zombie apocalypse or an unknown virus. It takes the real world problems that we've been suffering with for 30 years, actually, even longer than that even, mm-hmm. and uh, just says like those things ramped up so much, climate change, corruption, um, all that stuff, and just kind of through the world into chaos into one of the most interesting dystopian uh worlds that i've read about because i know i i probably said this before um realism is the scariest thing for me yeah where it's like i could totally see this like being our future and like i agree if it ever happens you and i are totally going to be desperados and wander the lands no we're not we're gonna die immediately alex we are we are frail let me dream mike (laughs) but yeah it's not like 
there's a killing competition once every year. No, where no, Where children no, no. go and fight to the death. No, the thing is, the government's still a thing. Police are still there. The fire department's still there. I'll get to all those things because what I think what um, Octavia Butler did was brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, however, well, I guess I'll get into it now. However, the police and the fire department, too, I believe, have been um, privatized. So yeah. no one's giving them calls to help them because no one can afford their fees. Yeah. The government's not taking care of it anymore. So crime's just kind of like running rampant. Anyone can really get away with anything. Right. And then the police basically aren't really trying anymore. They'll find an excuse to throw you up against a wall to steal your money and call it their fee. Mm -hmm. So and so the, everyone's kind of on their own. Yeah. And I mean, the thing, the thing that really is shocking about it is like, you know, you still have to pay if you want an ambulance today. It's really not. It, it's terrifying that because like Alex said, the, the it is a privatized mm -hmm. organization. But like. It's not that far off. Yeah, this book is basically if the police and the fire department were handled like healthcare is handled. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty um, much. In America, I, I mean. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's the setting. This book is a journal style, which means like there are journal and it's journal entries. So yeah. like, once like in a while you'll see like day, year, and then a new entry. And it follows the adventures or disadventures of a young woman named Lauren, whose last name I f constantly forget. Oh, what's the, it starts with an? It starts oh. with an O. Uh, can can you pass the book over here? Do you know sure. where? Do you I know have where my notes off? in it. That's fine. So I I won't be able to. Anyway, oh, wow, you you were you took detailed notes on so this. So Lauren lives with her family in a walled off a small walled off community, um, where. Damn it, now I can't think without my notes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, well. Uh, I want to say, oh, Ola, Olamina. I'm sorry. Lauren Olamina. I anyway. should have remembered that, but I forgot. <laughs> I Yeah. It's okay. Um, so her father, um, she lives with her father and her stepmother and I believe three stepbrothers at first. Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> oh, spoiler alerts for both of these books. Yeah, um, that's that's a good point. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things that happen. Um so she's living with her family um, in this walled-off, smaller community, and they are very, very, very poor. But, the entire community is, yeah. Yeah, the whole community is poor. But in comparison to what is around them, they're perceived by the people who wander the streets because they have literally nowhere to go as insanely wealthy. Mm. So, well, wealthy. So they'll get a lot of... Uh, a lot of robberies and crimes that, like, will try to force their way in through the wall, which is why they have it in the first place, to stop people from literally just coming into their houses and killing them and taking their stuff. Yeah, um, the the world the world outside of this gated community is very, very violent. Yes, it's, it's literally just... You probably will die if you leave this community. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, talk of rape. Like, almost mm. casually, which is scary. Because yeah. this girl, Lauren, has lived in this world forever, and she sees no, she's lived in no other society. She's basically lived walled off for, the, for her entire life. And it's something something that's done with her is, is fascinating to me, because it seems true to real life, where she's the youngest one who's never had anything different, but she's the one who sorts of, sort of, like, wants to face it head on. It's like... This is what we're dealing with. We need to focus on it and, like, go out and try to, like, make the best of it. And all of the older people who were kind of, like, living how we are living mm -hmm. and then this happened are like, no, 
we can wait it out. Things will go back to normal really soon. Once we get a good person in office and a good administration, they'll turn everything around and it'll slowly go back to the good old days. <laughs> and Lauren's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not waiting for that. She, she doesn't buy it for a second. Yeah. Um, so she does a few things in this book. Um, oh, crap. My favorite thing about this book, and it's, it's like a lesson in writing almost, is you got to give your character an interesting way to like act with like interact with their environment and lauren has a condition called hyper empathy Mm -hmm. and in a world of brutal violence this is a very interesting condition that's kind of it's kind of a tough way to live Yeah. yeah so basically a quick explanation is she's empathetic but to an absurd degree where if she sees someone in pain she will literally feel that pain up until the point where like it's horrible for her like she'll feel she'll mm-hmm. i think she actually bled as a child from seeing other people bleed oh wow i did i, yeah. I think she brought that up a few times um and then the other big thing about um lauren is that she's slowly creating her own religion slash philosophy called earth seed yeah i um, and i loved i love the earth seed philosophy so yes. much her dad and her stepmom are both teachers. Her dad teaches at a local college outside the community walls, and her stepmom teaches the children inside the wall, and Lauren helps her. Um, and her dad is also a preacher. A Baptist preacher. A, a Baptist yeah. preacher. And Lauren didn't really have ever have the guts to be like, I don't believe in your religion, really. Um, so she kind of like kept her religious beliefs to herself, and she kind of yeah. felt like walled off for that. Yeah, and also... It was out of respect for her father because she does have a lot of care and love for him. Exactly. She didn't want to hurt hurt him, obviously. And that's um, something true. But in her writing, she basically – she talks about her Earthseed ideology and religion like it's something that flows through her and not something that she's thinking of. Mm -hmm. It's um, something that she just thought of. And her main like – like her her thesis behind this ideology is probably God is change, mm-hmm. which I love, and it just works so well within this world because in this world especially, but also ours, the only thing that never changes is that things change. Yes. So to kind of create this mantra and this idea that the only almighty thing in this world that I've ever known is that things never stay the same. So that is basically God to me. Mm-hmm. And not even that it's a person changing things. It's not a deity. It's just this force that not even a force. It's just the idea of change is God. Yes. And also at the beginning of every chapter, I think it's really well done is, is verse verses from, from the book that she called mm-hmm. Earthseed. And also, do you remember what the ultimate goal of the religion is at this point? No, it escapes me at the moment. Okay. Her goal is, yes, God has changed the tenet of it, but ultimately the the goal is to get humanity to another planet. And that's why that's yeah. why it's called Earth's seed is because Earth is the seed. That yeah, you're right. I for, in the very beginning, yeah. um, also just like a small thing, the beginning of this book I thought was a little slow, which is why it took me a week to get it really into yeah. it. And I, I, think, I think that's on purpose. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like it almost gives you like a bit of mundanity, even mm-hmm. though the world kind of exploded. Yeah. It's just an interesting dynamic. And it took me a minute. But once I got like past like page 50, I was like, I roll through, I root. Ro- I rolled through this. There you go. I'm talking too fast. I'm excited about the book. You got there. Anyway, the first verse that she decided to put in Earthseed, or I don't know if she even wrote this first, but she put it at the beginning, is this verse right here. Cough, cough. (laughs) 
All that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. And that's basically how she lives her entire life. That is. Basically even how she, like, justifies the actions of the people in the world around her. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. It's it's the guiding philosophy. Yes, exactly. Um, Here's another one that I think uh, very well... Uh, illustrates how she was feeling underneath living with her parents. Um, a tree cannot grow in its parents' shadow. And it's something that is very true because in the beginning, especially when she's with her father and mother, she's like, "Like I want to do this. I want to do that. Dad says no. For obvious reasons, he's trying to keep her safe. But he, at the same time, he's also trying to prepare her, but he didn't prepare her in the right ways. He taught her how to shoot a gun, which is basically the best thing he's ever did for her i would imagine considering where the book goes exactly yeah <laughs> spoiler alert doesn't doesn't go great yes um and now real quick before i get into the big thing that happens uh around like a little bit before halfway through the book um one of her stepbrothers keith uh this is probably the biggest first event that i really oh, like yeah. found interesting yeah uh her brother her stepbrother keith's kind of starts sneaking out of the house a lot like, he's gone for days at a time. Mm-hmm. When basically, when a person's gone for a few days and you don't see or hear from them... They're dead. You're basically like, well, they're dead. That Let's was... plan the funeral. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, that's a shame. But that's basically the world we're living in here. Mm-hmm. Where death is so constant that, like, people... Like, the, the bodies will literally stack up in the streets. Um, and everyone. Yeah. So I think that's uh, crazy. But... This is probably the most. This is probably the first time in the book where my heart skipped a beat when I read something, mm-hmm. because the journal entries provide a, a unique way to tell stories, where it's literally like if you go into the mind of the person writing, it's like, all right, this is from a whole day, and then even though it's only like a few lines down, this is like an entirely different day. So after a while, Keith's been sneaking in and out, and he just had a heart to heart with Lauren, um, and. Then this line comes on, on Wednesday, August 26, 2026. It's just one line. It says, today my parents had to go downtown to identify the body of my brother Keith. And then she doesn't write anything for like a few days after that. That's the end of the journal entry. And that's like after like six pages of her talking about this like stuff with Keith and like how he's going out and he's making father angry. He's risking his life. I don't know if this should go. And it's just... I love when books are written from the perspective of a of a person because they feel so real in the way they're written. Well, it's also it's it speaks to Octavia Butler's brilliance to be like this will be so much more powerful the less I write. Exactly. About it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no gory detail on like Keith's uh, death and how it happened. Like Lauren speculates. Yeah, she does, but there's no there's never confirmation. Yeah. Um, and it even gets worse because later. Her dad never comes back from work one day, and then, like, after a week, everyone was like, I guess he died. And he's also pretty much the de facto leader of this community. Yeah, that's where everything kind of started falling apart for this little community. Um, So they held his funeral, and then that was it. Never found him. Yeah. Never knew what happened, but must have died, because he would have come back if he could have. Yeah. Um, and she talked about a lot about we, how... And we never really... It's spoiler alert, Alex, I'm sorry. But we never... If, I, if my memory serves me correctly, we never really get any solid uh, resolution to that. No, that's he, what I was expecting. He just does not happen again. It, it makes does sense not come back again. for the book yeah. and the world. It's like... It feels less real for her to like stumble across her dad 
kicking ass in like like a different community <laughs> on the other side of the country. It's just suddenly The Walking Dead. He's got like a tiger now. And, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it feels more true to life where it was just like one day he was gone. Yep. It's like most dads. I'm just kidding. It was a joke. It was a I'm going to get milk. I'll be back in five minutes. Joke. Yeah. I, <laughs> thank you, Alex. So yeah, her dad theoretically dies. We don't know. Um, and then I'd say a few, well, a few pages, a few like chapters later, but like years later. Well, a, a year, a year later. Yeah. Yes. A minute later <laughs> in, in, in reading time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there were a few close calls, but, uh, one morning Lauren, one like midnight, Lauren wakes up and everyone's kind of freaking out and screaming and running outside. There was no alarm bell cause someone stole it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she runs outside. She grabs her go bag, um, which she has prepared. And she talked about a lot before this point. And then outside, there are just all the buildings are on fire and people with painted faces are running around. I forgot to mention, there's a drug called pyro that makes watching fire super fun. Yeah, that's that's the main, throughout the book, the main people like outside, the outside that are uh, making things so violent to leave the gated community mm-hmm. are drug addicts. Yes. And that's the drug they're addicted you're to. You're either a thief, and a drug addict, or you're dead because you <laughs> took too much drugs. Because you took too many, pi- too, too, too many, much pyro. Too much pyro. Yeah. But the way they talk about it is so interesting. And for like the first hundred books, they just called it the drug that makes you like to start fires. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, they gave it a name. It's, it's called pyro, which is pretty on the nose yeah. if, you, if you ask me. Cool name. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, she escapes with two people, Harry and what was the other person's name? Zara. Zara, yeah. Um, and then she actually, I, I marked off a, a sentence here or a, a slight conversation that I wanted to read because it kind of well describes the situation outside of her walls mm-hmm. now that the walls kind of are gone. Destroyed, yeah. So this is Lauren talking. Everyone who's surviving out here knows things that I need to know, I said. I'll watch them. I'll listen to them. I'll learn from them. If I don't, I'll be killed. And like I said, I intend to survive. They'll sell you a bowl of shit, she said. That's Sara. <laughs> real, real, real charismatic. Uh, I nodded. I know. But I'll buy as few of those as possible. She looked at me for a long time, then sighed. I wish I had known better. I wish I had known you better before all this happened, she said. You're a weird preacher's kid. If you still want to play man, I'll cut your hair for you. She also disguises herself as a dude, so mm-hmm. she wouldn't get raped. Yeah. Um, which is so sad, but necessary. And I'm glad she did it because that's a very smart thing to do in that situation. Uh, the one thing I will say about, well, there's there's books that could be said about the character of mm-hmm. Lauren, but she is the smartest character in any post-apocalyptic scenario I've ever seen. She yeah. knows, like, she, even as, because she starts this book when she's like 14 or 15 years 15. old. Oh, yeah, it starts on her birthday. And and she starts out as a 15 years old and is already able to see through the bullshit lies that, not even lies, but just convenient untruths that adults tell their yeah, kids. Yeah, like, you know, we're fine. Live here in happiness and everything will be f- even better one day. Yeah. And it's like, she's just like, it's, it's like, yeah, she's smart. She sees through the bullshit. There's not a single... That, this is just this is the first time it's occurring to me. She never for a single second believes in the American dream. Like no. she's in Southern California. She's in America and there's that's just not even she not even for a second she's just like that that's not real. Well because it's been proven wrong to her cuz her dad mm. works his ass off and they are barely making it. Yeah. So I mean like the American dream has been disproven 
since she's been alive. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, that's not a thing. Exactly. Doesn't matter how hard you work, because you know, one day you just don't come back. Yeah. So anyway, I'm. I, I just got to the part where she's camping out with Zara and Harry, and two people attack them at the. Sh- at like late at night and there are no fires because setting fires is illegal since climate change made everything so ridiculously dry that fires spread so easily. I forgot about that part. Which makes the pyro people even more (laughs) terrifying. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, Lauren ends up killing one of the two dudes because he was unconscious, but his uh, skull was cracked and basically he was going to die anyway. And Mm -hmm. if he gained consciousness, she would start to feel that. And I imagine that would really hurt. Yeah, that would... That's actually... Yeah. So because of that, that was her, like, just cut the rope type thing. Like, all right, I got to tell them about... She also... She calls it her sharing her hyper-empathy. Mm-hmm. Because um, she's never told anyone outside her family before. So she basically tells them the truth. Um, Sarah took it really well, actually. Harry did not take it well. Um, but after letting him read a little bit of what she's written to show her who he... To show him who she really is, um, I, I would hope he lightens up to it, but I literally marked, I have a bookmark on the next page. So. <laughs> on the next page. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's good to know. Um, you're in, a lot happens in the next- it, it, They're traveling yeah. north. Yeah. They're traveling north to spread Earthseed, and I don't, I'm not going to sh- uh, share too much, but like, yeah. the next, uh, from here to the rest of the book is just plain action-packed and just like- things happen very quickly compared to the beginning of the book. Yeah, I definitely want to read the next book too. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know the only thing I know is, is it's about her daughter, which I saw when I was doing a little bit of private research for the book. Yeah. Um, the sequel, I mean. Mm-hmm. So I'm even more intrigued to find that out. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It is about I mean, that there is one spoiler there. Lauren survives the parable of the sower. I mean, I was... I was hoping. Yeah, exactly. Um, no one else. Oh, by the way, the rest of her family died in the in that siege. Yeah, as well as well as her completely unimportant, irrelevant boyfriend Curtis. Oh yeah, they had sex before she left. She, he was just like there for a, a second. He's a person in this world, and then he's gone, and she does not mention him at all. Oh, by the way, I meant to mention. Um, the one cool thing about hyper empathy is it makes sex like double awesome because she feels what. Other people are pain and pleasure feeling. at the same time. Yeah. So really, the only time that comes into handy is sex, but also like I was really hoping, like, come on, get Lauren some porn. She needs to have fun. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if that even exists in this world. No, anymore. I doubt it. Commodities yeah. are not a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, drinking water is very hard to come by. Yeah. There, there is, there is. That's the level we're at. Yeah. But it's it's so good because like yeah. Government's still here. All that's still here. Because, like, that stuff wouldn't shut down even in this scenario. It just makes sense. It Exactly. It's supposed to not. Um, the one thing that I do... Well, there's so much I love about this book. The way it's written um, and ev- as everything that you've mentioned so far. But the futuristic scenario is literally just an acceleration of the shit that we're already dealing with. Exactly. Which is what makes it, like, a little bit of, like, a, hey world yeah. wake up it, it it's what good science fiction does is like it takes the either the technology or the ideas that we are dealing with now and just kind of presses fast forward it presses fast forward takes it to the logical extreme whatever you know uh snow piercer with with climate change i've wanted to see snow piercer it's it's a good movie and they're making a tv show out of it so you should watch that too cool well i'll yeah. watch the movie first yeah please do uh captain america stars in it i know chris yeah. evans yeah 
he's great. It's a that's a disturbing movie. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie well, to you. Well, Bong Joon Ho did direct. Did he really? Yeah, that's just one of it's just like his only American. Well, one of his uh, few Parasite Boy made made the uh, excuse made, me Parasite Man. Parasite Man, fine, whatever. Parasite Man made Snowpiercer. I can't believe you didn't know that. I did not know that. Do you, you want to watch it again now? I kind of <laughs> do. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's awesome. It's the um, only reason I want to watch that movie. Yeah, I will say that um, Octavia Butler is uh, one of the most uh, important science fiction writers in America, period. Uh, especially so, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, that she's one of the only and most important um, black woman uh, authors, uh, science fiction authors of uh, history. Well, it's phenomenal yeah. what, what she's written here. So. Um, and Earthseed was supposed to be a trilogy. I, I, I'll i just tell you that right oh, now. Oh, there's no third book? She died in the middle of writing the third book. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, I was surprised. I'm not gonna lie the second book ends very uh satisfactory it was it's a satisfying end so i didn't feel the need for a third one but it's still yeah upsetting they they found her notes for for book number three oh um after she she yeah she she was uh she was old she left a she led a good life but yeah it was very sudden it's when still, she passed it's so bad sad yeah it bad is. sad it is it is both bad and sad um but yeah i just uh she also wrote a bunch of other books kindred is another very popular one that she wrote mm-hmm. um i have not read kindred but i've heard good things so enjoy octavia butler parable of the sower parable of the talents kindred and all other works that she has written yeah. yeah go read this book even though i just spoiled the first two-thirds of it yeah, you haven't spoiled nearly nearly the uh i guess a lot of it happens near the end exactly all right there yeah. you go there, there's a lot there's a lot to well, break into. i love what i what i've read so far so i'm <laughs> excited to finish it yeah now we're gonna probably be running long here because we're already at 33 oh really yeah oh wow so you know what all right just whatever Take your time, talk your much as much or less as you want, but we're going to switch it over to Mike. All right. To remind uh, me of what this book is. Well, this is a very downer book. This yes. is because this one is real. Yeah, this one isn't even fiction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is uh, Life After Death, the as we mentioned earlier, the memoir of Damien Eccles, who uh, so for those of you unfamiliar with who Damien Eccles is, cuz I uh, listened to a true crime podcast on it a while ago mm-hmm. um, and then forgot about it until I was reading it. I was just like, oh, yeah, I, um, I've heard of this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was one of them, West Memphis Three, which, as we mentioned earlier, is currently a cold case because they never actually found who did it. Yes, but it's proven that Damien Eccles and the other two people convicted are innocent. Yeah, entirely. Uh, DNA evidence does not match up. They had, I believe they even had alibis that were just completely ignored during the conviction. Yeah, uh, like, you'll you'll hear Mike talk about it, but basically the law enforcement in their town hated Damien. Yeah. Um, yes, exactly. So, so they kind of just wanted to frame it on him. Yeah, well, the reason, part of the reason, a huge part of the reason why is because um, this was in the height of the satanic panic of the uh, 90s. I yes. think he was convicted in the 90s, right? Yes. Yeah. And Damien was kind of a goth boy. Kind of? He was a goth boy. He was a huge goth boy. <laughs> I was, I mean, look, he was he was a teenager at the time. He was uh, he was like 17, 18 years old when, when the whole thing went down. Um, so he was going through a period of time called teenage angst mm-hmm. and listening to things like uh the misfits and the uh like all of these just heavy metal angsty bands uh-huh. uh yeah. wearing nothing but black <laughs> clothing um 
I, I'm not going to lie. I was reading this and I never was full into the goth phase, but I related to so much of what he was saying. I was like, because he, he's just an angsty, nerdy kid yeah. that thinks he's too wise for the world. And we've all been there. Mm-hmm. So how dare you judge Damien? Uh, those of you that undoubtedly do. Um, but yeah, he was. He, so basically, he grew up in Arkansas. He was in a very poor area. Very uh, poor. Trailer park. We're talking trailer park kind of thing. Um, and it, this is the story of uh, his life. He talks about. He kind of flips back and forth between his time in uh, on death row and when his childhood and what brought him to death row. Basically, yes, the story of his life, and then talking about what he's going through currently, or yeah. you know like in the present-ish time because yeah. I mean when the book released he was out yeah he he includes pictures of his current wife and kids who he definitely did not know and nor marry on death row um, oh I guess he didn't get to that part yet oh did he marry them on death row keep talking okay cool I have not I have not finished the book <laughs> I'm about like like 220 240 pages in but uh, you're getting there then you're yeah almost there. Um, but yeah it's, it's it's a hard look at a few different things number one the prison system as a whole yes. is kind of kind of bad. Um, I think that's a pretty harsh understatement. Yeah, especially death row. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I will give. Um, Damien is very smart in the way that he presents it because he's very real about you know how horrible uh, death row inmates can be, mm-hmm. but he also is sure to mention. Yeah, no, the people you gotta look out for are not are the guards are not the inmates. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think one of the smartest things and one of the most touching chapters that he put in there is he put an entire chapter in there about um, how the inmates used to keep pets. Oh yeah, the rats and the birds. Yeah, well the thing is like he he introduced with the kitten. He, they like a kitten oh, found his way yeah. into the into the um into the death row jail cell and stuff. And what the inmates would do is they would each take care of him. And <laughs> yeah. after a certain amount of time, they would just pass him along. And it that goes to such lengths to humanize the people that um, many of them mm-hmm. have done horrific things in their in their lifetime. But people are still people. people. And and it's just so cute to think of like all of these all of these people who are you know have had hopes stripped out from underneath them, um, mm-hmm. just huddling this cat. It's 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 adorable, honestly. And I gotta give him credit because that was. You know, how many years did he spend in death row? I don't even know. I think eighteen. Eighteen years. If I had to guess, holy crap! Because he was let out in the late two thousands. Wow. Or early 2010s. Yeah. It was either 2009 or 2011. And I think he was convicted in, like like I said, the mid-90s. Yeah, early mid-90s. Yeah. A little bit before we were born, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, So, oh my God, I didn't realize that it was that, it was that long. No, it was, like, still at this point, <laughs> mm-hmm. over half his life. Yeah. It's so straight up already. Sure. Great. Fine. We fixed it. He didn't die. Great. Over half of his life has been mm-hmm. stolen from him. Um, and there are so many stories that you can tell in in the course of 18 years, as you and I both are very well aware. Yeah. So the choices that he makes of the stories to tell are very smart. And he also, uh, yeah, he, he he paints a very, uh, very bleak picture of it. It's a very descriptive picture. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, I don't even know where to start with this book, dude. <laughs> um, he, uh, yeah, I... 
how can you even the okay so first of all i'm not even at the point where he has been convicted of the crime yet but i know he's been arrested for it because i know what he didn't at the time um he he is at this point arrested and being put into hospitals and stuff oh yeah yeah okay yeah because this one asshole cop uh, what's his name? I, I I don't remember, but he wouldn't give up on him in yeah. the worst way possible. Jerry Driver, and I'm not I'm I don't give a shit because he's a piece of crap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he gives law enforcement a terrible name because what he did was he just kind of saw him wearing black and was like that looks he did like it the, exactly. <laughs> well, for not even even before the West Memphis Three case happened, even before those kids were. Discovered. Yeah, he he was still way up against Damien. Yeah, because he was just like that. That's a kid wearing black and having long hair and wearing earrings. Yes. He definitely sacrifices things to Satan. And we are in the South in the nineties. Yeah. So it, satanic panic, like you said, like huge. Mm-hmm. And my fa- my favorite my favorite part of this is the first time he's arrested because he breaks into a, an abandoned trailer with his with his girlfriend and and spends the night there. And then the cop comes in through the window, <laughs> and, <laughs> not the door. And David says he's just like I guess he wanted to fulfill a SWAT fantasy <laughs> because the door was open. We didn't lock it. <laughs> And and he's just like he's arrested, he's just like all right. I broke and entered into an abandoned trailer, whatever. And he goes to he goes to jail, and he's talking to Jerry Driver, just like you know, normal questions. And then he's just like, "So how's the sacrifice into Satan going?" Like, what? He's just like, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. It's it is so funny because Damien's a funny guy he really is because Jerry's just like what do these satanic symbols mean he's just like I have I can barely read dude I don't know what to tell you (laughs) it is incredible um how well Damien tells the story I yeah it's um like I said I I'm not through his entire perspective yet I'm not so I'm not gonna say my assumptions based on what I know about the West Memphis three case. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, these people were screwed by the system. They were never read their rights. They were never given their rights. I, he, um, what happens was he is after, at a certain point, his family moves to Oregon and he comes back to Arkansas because he hates his family. Yeah. And he hates his family. Yeah. Both are good reasons to go back to Arkansas, but he goes back to Arkansas and starts living with one of his friends while he tries to get his GED. And his Jerry knocks on the door. It's just like, hello, Damien, you're under arrest. And Damien's just like, for what? <laughs> I've literally just been sitting here. I came in here four hours ago and I ate pizza. What are you uh, going he did to did order a pizza. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even go out and get it. He ordered a pizza. Exactly. And and the the guy is just uh, it says a lot about this. The the police system is the the policeman officer driver was just like I um it's illegal to be under eighteen without a parent. And Damien's just like Fine, fucking fine, because he doesn't know his rights. He's he's just a punk kid mm-hmm. from Arkansas, who, which, no offense to the state of Arkansas, does not have the best education system um, nationwide. No, I hear you. And especially not in an impoverished area like he's in right yeah. now. And I'll also say, I mean, it, it comes out a little bit, but it also seems like at that point, Damien, like, kind of believed in the idea of, like, I am innocent, so I cannot be tried as guilty. Yeah, and that's a 
myth that is that a lot of people undergo. No. If someone want, if someone powerful wants you in jail, you're gonna really have to fight. And even if you know that you're innocent, there are so many people and so many lawyers who say, "Listen, the ca- I know that you're innocent, but their jury is not gonna believe you. If you plead guilty, your get your sentence is gonna be reduced." And so you have all these people who are falsely accused and falsely convicted of crimes because they are scared into pleading guilty. And then the real person gets away with it. Yeah, the exactly. Real criminal. Yeah, I mean, I completely forgot about that part. That's how horrible yeah, this shit that's is. That's another side effect yeah, of this little. Exactly. The person that, I mean, the murder of, I think it was three boys, right? Yes. The murder of those three boys will never be found. He's just on the loose. Or dead at this point. Yeah, I mean, either one is Hopefully equally possible. he's dead. Yeah. Or she. We don't know, actually. We, we know we, nothing. We literally don't. Um, because... I don't know. We'll get to the case. I'll get, I'll get to the case eventually. But um, yeah, it's it, it's a brilliant memoir, and it's very very well written. I, it's it's a downer. Like I said, it's it's mm. a big time downer. But he also um, has a lot of very beautiful lines in there about because he talks about going through all these different religions. He goes through Roman Catholicism, Baptist Church, uh, Buddhism when he gets into the... Yeah, yeah. that's his first big one. Yeah, well, in the book. In but the book. Yeah. Um, but he talks all about these different faiths and what actually brought him peace and who mm-hmm. brought him peace. Because what happens a lot, and I'm sure this is true of anyone going through any kind of situation where there's judgment involved is the people that intend to do good come across as highly condescending and not actually helpful at all. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Um, So I felt I took a lot away from when the priests that he shared were helpful. The, I don't know what the uh, equivalent in Buddhism is, but when those uh, monks, um, Buddhist monk, that sounds like a phrase. That sounds like a phrase. I don't know if that's the proper one, but it's yes. the one I'm going to use for now. Sorry for my lack of culture. I mean, I have just as little. So I apologize also on behalf of the two of us. Thank but you. um the Buddhist monks that came in and were actually and were helpful, the guy that um changed his name that flew in from Japan to yeah. uh, uh it's it, it says a lot about the people that actually help mm. and the asshole guards that don't and i'm just gonna ask you didn't get to the part in the book where you met his wife yet right i have not met his wife okay i've um, met deanna and deanna and not his wife no i know because she left him and i (laughs) i i'm sure that from her perspective there's a whole nother side of things but i'm Mm -hmm. i'm so upset yeah i'll tell you something right now like all of those people who were very genuinely kind to damien Mm -hmm. like his wife puts them all like like not even down, but like steps above all of them with how amazing she was for him. That's fantastic. So that's I know that's like right when like that's like when on the on the chart, like when it goes downhill as far as his life, it curves a rack around and makes a smiley face. Yeah. That's yeah. like right when he meets his wife, it starts going back up. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um so I'm excited for you to hear that. And maybe we'll talk about it for like a few minutes next week when I'm done with Parable of the Sower. And I'll definitely be done with this because I'm, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. Not not for a while, not for a long while, but yeah. just for a little bit because I'd love to tell you about how I think about the ending. Yeah. And uh, likewise. Um, but yeah, the only thing I will say is like, thankfully, a case, the satanic panic is gone, but false accusations and framing of uh, different... Um, crimes 
still happens all the time. Absolutely. And prison I, I, I was also very upset to hear the prison guards treat them as awfully as they were. I'm I mean don't get me wrong, I was not expecting the prison guards to treat them charitably by any stretch of the imagination. But, but I hope you they at least at least would be a little cool with each other. Well it's like the thing that really hit me was Damien talked about how Christmas in De- on Death Row was a big thing was a big moment yeah. because um different churches from all these different denominations would get together goodies and treats and and, and donate it and donate all of them they would just get them at Christmas time and they would talk about for weeks how they're going to get all these different cookies and stuff and <laughs> yeah. then one year the guards were just like yeah, we're, we're not doing, not doing it anymore. anymore which is so horrible and and Damien said just like he asked them he had a very said it much more eloquently but he said basically when he asked them why they basically said because I said so. Yeah. And I'm sure they are also answering to higher powers. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that prison guards are the worst th- They're not people in the world. They're not the only one at fault here, but they are the ones who interact with the prisoners. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I do get it because the, you, regardless of what you think about the death penalty, if you think of someone on death row, you're thinking of a Ted Bundy kind of person. Yeah. Someone... Who's like conniving and evil, an irredeemable serial killer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, they're just people. Yeah, they, yeah, and it's yeah. It's they still deserve dignity, like some extra snacks at Christmas time. Yeah, it, just. That. I don't think that would be horrible. No, neither do I. It's yeah. I don't know. I you you introduced this to me by saying this is the book that gave you distrust in the. Uh, I forget how you put it last week, but like I don't remember either. Yeah, that but was you so said long it changed ago. your mind about a lot of things, and I definitely understand where you're coming yeah, from. It just like it widened my horizons, which is what a good book should do. And Parallel the Sower is doing that for me now. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And can I say one thing um, before you wrap up? Which I assume you're going to do. I would imagine so, unless there's more you want to say about this book. Well, there's one thing I want to say. There's one line. More than any other that stuck with me from this book. Which and one? Terrible or Life After from, Death? From Life After Death, which I just want to bring up. I don't remember exactly how he says it, and I don't know if you've gotten to it yet, but he says something along the lines of knowledge is acquired through learning and studying, but wisdom is acquired through pain and suffering, mm. which is just so interesting to hear. Because to read it, he's a very noble and calm and wise person Mm -hmm. because he's endured pain his entire life because people have betrayed him at every turn and when you are able to come out of that you can only come out of that being noble and wise and like just like ready to take anything you can i will say this i think you're right i think that that quote is beautiful and i'm going to write that down later because that that, I, i like i i collect quotes that stand out to me um but I think that there's also a choice that you need to make when you're suffering. That's true. Because, don't get me, Damien was very generous to write this memoir. He could have very easily said, this society has taken 18 years from my life. I don't owe them a damn thing. And he would be entirely justified in saying, fuck the world, fuck everything, and becoming a bitter old man. I would understand him him doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made the choice to take it a different way and to share his experiences with the world. And I'm grateful to him for that. So am I. And I, I agree with what you said. I didn't, I wasn't able to properly illustrate my entire thoughts about that quote mm-hmm. properly. And I'm glad, thank you for adding that. Cause I will, 
I will slap my name onto that as well. <laughs> Ex- co-signed by <laughs> yes. the weekly by two idiots. Yeah. Um, there we go. <laughs> but yeah. But well, yeah, um, Damien, this is a good book. It was recommended by Johnny Depp. He has one of the quotes on the back. Oh, yeah. I find it really funny because it's just like um, all these different reviews. You know, the, Blos- the Boston Globe, Library Journal, the New York Times, Johnny Depp. And it's, it's great. I think either Johnny Depp was probably, I think he was in that book somewhere. Oh, I think, is he? I think Damien met him at one point. Yo. He met He met someone. <laughs> like someone came to visit him. Okay. I don't know if it was Johnny Depp. Yeah, I don't know. You're going to have to tell me next week. I will. Um, but uh, other than that, um, yeah. I don't know. Is, is, are we Are we good? I think we're good. Let's cool. pick from the bucket. That was so much fun, and I'm looking forward to finishing. Yeah. Bucket. Yeah. Pick it, Mike. Pick it real good. Time to pick from the bucket. Time to pick from the bucket now. All right, I'm picking from the bucket. I hope you wipe this down. I gloves mike you're wearing them yeah but cross-contamination anyway all right i got one cool all right this one is one that we can do in quarantine and this is that just happens to be what we picked mike what are the odds yeah i don't i know the challenge is make a vlog vlog yourself is vlog yourself which is uh make a vlog every day for a week yeah now we're talking vlogs. That's a video log for you people who are new to this. A, a video video blog. Video blog. Video log. <laughs> a video log is just the video of a log. Oh, uh, could you imagine if that was the mistake I made? <laughs> and next week I just come in with like 16 hours of just like tree footage. Yeah, I don't understand why you struggled with this, Mike. It's pretty cool. There's a tree right outside your house. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's just great. That's absurd. So basically, yeah. I think this will be interesting for our current situations. Yeah, it sure will be. And I think uh, it would also be fun to post maybe like a minute clip from each of us on our Instagram when we're done with this challenge. Yeah, That'd be fun. I, I got to imagine, we have our YouTube channel still, right? Uh, I guess. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, yeah, we might post it to our YouTube channel. We oh, might yeah. post it to Instagram. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah maybe I'll, I don't know, we'll see. We will see. We don't know where this is going. But yeah, uh, I. what's your experience with vlogs, Alex? I have none. None? Okay, I like watching them. Really? Uh, well, actually, two in particular. I'm a fan of the Vlog Brothers. I am. Oh, what, of course. I am what the internet calls a nerd fighter, which is what they call their fans, because cool all right but yeah they i i like those vlogs so i i'm going to take inspiration from them and probably do it a million times worse than them <laughs> cool. because they they've been doing this for a while they were one of the first youtubers i'll but probably yeah. find some bullshit way to make it weird i'll look forward to that i have no doubt in my mind they'll figure out that <laughs> um but so, yeah yeah come back next week if you want to hear our final thoughts on the books because uh, we'll both be done by then yeah i'll probably do a vlog about mine and also talk yeah that's true yeah and also talking about our experiences vlogging so and you can be- check those out too yeah it should also be it should be a little more upbeat than this one hopefully just a little bit depending on what we vlog depends about depends on how our weeks go yeah exactly um and uh that's it <laughs>
That's it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm done. So um, that uh, challenge was a- was actually recommended to us by our listener, Rebecca. Yeah, my sister. Thanks, You're, Bex. Yeah, yeah. Alex's sister is a great supporter of this, of this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to suggest a challenge to the Weekly Undertaking, we have a form in the description down below. We do. It's on our website, which is the link. And also, before I forget, links to both of these books will also be in the description. Yeah, to the Amazon pages, I guess. Um, I was going to do like Barnes and Nobles. Oh, that works. Is Barnes & Noble still in business? If not, then you can find it on Amazon. On Amazon, yeah. We'll we'll give you a way to access these books. There will be a link. Yeah. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening to The Weekly Undertaking. Like I said, if you have any uh, challenges or other suggestions to uh, give us, including hate mail, we will take it at the link in the description below. Um, We uh, have 80... This is the 86th episode or 87th episode? 87. 87th episode of The Weekly Undertaking. We have 86 other episodes of The Weekly Undertaking. And a few bonus episodes. And a few bonus episodes. You can listen to all of them on whatever podcasting app you're listening to us on. You found us once. You can find it again. Uh, please like and subscribe to this channel so you can find us before uh, find us again. If you don't, I swear to God, we are going to keep this up. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we th- have a goal. It's unrealistic, so we will go until we reach it. We are going. We are not stopping, damn it. Um, Please, uh, we have artists that help us out. We have Adam Rudy, who does the music for this podcast, and Winston DeJesus, who does the podcast cover art. If you like what you see or what you hear, their information is in the description below. You can give them some love. Our social medias are down there, too. Check it out so you can find our vlogs. Uh, God, that's such a millennial thing to say. Yeah, well, (laughs) in a week from when you're hearing this. Yeah. Um, And uh, I guess that's all I have to say. Is there anything you have to say, Alex? No. Until next week, as always, stay safe, stay inside, stay clean, stay disinfected. And stay... I was going to say something cool, but nothing came to mind. Well, don't forget to challenge yourself. (laughs) And try something new. Like that. That didn't work, but it's new, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've been doing this a long time. I'm running out of ideas. I, uh, yeah, not that we had any to begin with. All right. All right. Bye, Goodbye. guys. <laughs>